You're listening to How To 20-Something, the only podcast that helps both men and women navigate their 20s and learn how to adult across all aspects of their lives. We're going to be focusing on career, relationships, finances, fitness, nutrition, and all of the common challenges and obstacles a typical 20-something will face in this post-college life and what to do about it. I'm your host, Just Diamond, and I'm the CEO and founder of Just Diamond Coaching, where I help young professionals get their shit together, gain their confidence, and own their life. No one prepares you for this adulting world, so allow me to help you feel like you are no longer a chicken running around with its head cut off, and that you actually know what the hell is going on and what your next step to take is. Welcome to How To 20-Something. Before we begin today's episode, I want to give you guys a final reminder that the virtual masterclass Change is a Choice is tomorrow. That is if you're listening to this the day it drops. There is still time for you to join me on Tuesday, October 17th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Zoom and experience group life coaching for free. All you have to do is head to justdiamondcoaching.com forward slash change or check the show notes and put in your email to sign up for it. And if you can't make it live, there will be a replay sent out immediately after. But during this workshop, I will be helping you learn how to handle any big change that comes into your life, whether by your own doing, like taking a job offer or moving states or getting married, or when it happens to you, like your boss is getting fired and someone new is taking their place, or you lost your job or getting broken up with. Both instances create resistance, and I'm going to walk you through why this happens and how to overcome it. All right, now back to the show. Welcome back to How To 20 Something. Today, I've brought on a guest to share her experience of transitioning from being an athlete her whole life to being a regular adult and the identity shift, the workout adjustment, the sense of self, and the loss of community that comes with this transition. For those of you who don't know, I work at two different gyms outside of life and nutrition coaching and podcasting, and at one gym, I do one-on-one training, and the other one, I do group fitness. In my experience, a lot of athletes take the group class route because they're used to having someone structure their workouts for them, telling them when to work out, and being surrounded by people doing that same workout. And it's what they're used to and it's a very confusing time as they make this move to being a normal working adult after being a college athlete. It's a conversation I've had with a couple of different people who have come through the studio and so I thought it would be appropriate to have as an episode because every year a group of athletes graduate college and begin working behind a desk and they lose a piece of themselves along the way. Not to mention their normal way of operating ceases to exist and now they need to adapt to this new life. So I brought on my sister to discuss the challenges she overcame when she transitioned from a D1 swimmer to a civil engineer. And now I'd like to introduce her. Jenna Diamond is a former D1 swimmer at UMass Amherst, where she received a degree in civil engineering and began working as a water resource engineer in Boston. Jenna is now a project manager in construction, lives with her boyfriend James in Quincy, Massachusetts, and is a massive dog lover. In her free time, she enjoys walking to the beach, napping, and taking boxing classes. Hi, Jenna. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, Very well said. Thanks. (laughs) All right. We're just going to get right into it, as I like to do with these types of episodes. But, Jenna, you've been removed from college for a few years now. 
But looking back, can you walk us through your experience of going from collegiate athlete to working behind a desk, maybe some of the mental adjustments that occurred? Juggling working out and a degree is very difficult. You didn't have, I didn't have much of a social life outside of my sport. We weren't really allowed to. It was pretty dedicated. It was structural, as you were saying before. Then to go to the quote unquote real world, it was a huge adjustment. I didn't identify as a swimmer anymore. I sat behind a desk. And when you're at the desk, you're like, is this the rest of my life? You kind of start, you know, for the first time in my life, I actually had time to think things that I had been putting below the surface for a while. And, you know, things with our dad's death that, you know, did really affect me. And I started seeing a therapist actually right after school. It was uh, mentally trying to figure out, you know, what to do socially, trying to get hobbies. It was a huge adjustment. What were some of the ways that you adjusted to this? Like you said, you started seeing a therapist. You started to try and find some hobbies. Can you give some examples as to the hobbies you did? Because it's, you went from having your whole day mapped out for you to for the opposite of like the normal person is like our whole life is now consumed by our jobs. You kind of experience this different shift of now you have a lot of free time. You have these moments of pause. So what did you do to try and make this adjustment a little bit more seamless? Or what are some hobbies that you would recommend other athletes take on or look into anything across that board? I definitely struggled with it a lot at first. I wasn't friends with my roommates. I did try I did move to a new city. I moved to Boston, so I did try to explore that a lot. I did join an inner tube water polo team at MIT. I did a kickball team and altogether, you know, just tried to work out a lot and eat healthier and just figure out who I was. I mean, I did party a lot when I first graduated, just because I never had that freedom in college. And I was like, look at all this time. And (laughs) I was really bored. (laughs) I'll be very honest. Yeah, it's this is why we're having this type of episode, because I can't relate to that type of boredom from when I graduated college to starting the adult working world, but many former athletes experience a sense of identity loss when they retire from competitive sports. And this is some of what you've been alluding to. Would you, how would you say this happened to you or to teammates that you know of? And then how can someone listening work to combat this form of an identity loss? You know, I definitely had identity loss. A lot of my friends did as well. It's crazy because my whole life since I was four to when I was 22, I was a swimmer. You know, everyone has their, that's who identified as. And to not have that anymore, it's kind of like, who am I? You know, just, I had, I had no idea. I guess to go to combat that, I tried to like get hobbies, as I was saying before, and try to find out who I was and things I actually enjoyed. It was just hard to go from something that was my entire life to honestly, not doing it at all. I didn't like it my last two years. But what was nice was there was an end date, which sounds weird. So I just knew I just had to hold on until I graduated college. With when you go into the real world, and you're behind that desk, there is no 
end date. You know, you think you're like, oh my God, is this, is this it for the rest of my life? And that's what's kind of scary. Like you feel trapped, you start rethinking everything and you really question if this is what you want to do, if you're happy and if this is your future. Yeah. And I would say it's uh, when you're an athlete in college, you have your season. Like when you're competing and even though swimming is a year-round sport, you're constantly training, but you do have those times where you are really hardcore training. You are diving into all of that. So you have goals for certain different types or different times of the year. And now you go into the working world and it does, it becomes this mundane same day over and over again, as I've mentioned on some other episodes. So you kind of go crazy in your own head. It's like between the free time, between the no end date in sight, it's a blank canvas. And you're like, where do I go? How do I interact with today's world, with all of these regular people, as now I am one of these regular people? In college, I felt very elite and like, you know, that I worked so hard for this. And I, I did feel amazing. And then going to the real world, you just feel like everyone else and you feel bottom of the barrel. And it just it is an adjustment. And my confidence went down incredibly. You know, I, I used to walk around with a chip on my shoulder wearing my UMass swimming gear, being like, Oh, everyone would be lucky to like know me or have me. And then now I'm like, when I first graduated, I'm on the public transportation in my like work gear. And I'm like, just another person like there's nothing that made me stand out anymore I felt like I was just everyone else yeah that's the biggest identity loss of it all I would say and I think you would agree is you do like you throughout our college experiences so Jen and I are two years two school years apart but so we had like two overlapping school years in college and she would always whenever she was home on a break she'd be like well you're just a NARP you're a non-athletic regular person and not, not to like bring you down to my level, but you are a NARP now. You are the, a non-athletic regular person. You do have this background of swimming, of being a collegiate athlete, but you're six years removed. You're the same as all of us. And it's tough. You don't have that chip on your shoulder anymore. You don't have the thing that makes you stand out in terms of your sport. And that was your what you were recognized as. That's what you were known for. How do you feel you've been able to make yourself stand out now? What are some things that you have done in terms of your career, in terms of your life in general that makes you feel like you are different, you are special? Because I think we are special in our own rights. So what are what are what are were the shifts that had to happen for you to find where else you were special? I think for me, being a swimmer, I mean I thought I was pretty average. I mean, being a D1, like that was cool, but I never thought of myself as that good. But finding things that you're like soup, like that you're good at, or you're better than other people kind of give me the confidence or not even better than other people, but just things that people will look at you and be like, I trust you to do this, you know, and I found that with my current job, like I do enjoy it a lot. I am good at it. And I think getting the the correspondence from my peers you know that does help me and also I do want to apologize for the NARP thing I am your older sister and (laughs) and I definitely wanted to bring you down a few pegs just because I was really mean but (laughs) I didn't treat everyone like that (laughs) and I want that on the record 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> Fine. It's on the record. <laughs> You're a special case. <laughs> Wow, thanks. I feel thank you. Okay. Um, I want to talk about your workout styles because, from what I know, they have changed over the years, but you do still gravitate towards group class styles. So, how have your workouts and your view of health changed? Or, in other words, like how do you maintain a healthy and active lifestyle now that you're no longer training and competing at a collegiate level 25 hours a week? And it's probably closer to maybe like 10 hours a week, like the normal functioning human adult. Yeah, when I first graduated, that was a huge mental thing. Because I was like, Oh, my God, I'm gonna gain a million pounds. I really thought that I was like, I this is how much I've been training for years. And uh, I kind of had to look in the mirror and say, you can't eat like that anymore. <laughs> you're one, your metabolism, not that great anymore. Two, you're just you just don't have the time to work out that much. I mean, working out, what, I think some days was five hours a day. That's crazy. I You can't maintain that with a full-time job. And honestly, looking back on it, I don't think I could even work out that much if, if even if I wanted to. It's not realistic. So I definitely shifted more to eating, probably less, because I definitely overate, but UMass is number one in food, so who wouldn't? And then now, yeah, I feel like I have a pretty healthy diet and I am boxing now. I do love the group classes. I think at first I was trying to lift, but it wasn't really something I was enjoying and I felt really forced into it. So I do try a bunch of other things. I've done cycle classes, but you're right. I do love the group fitness classes. I think it's nice to suffer with other people. I think it's nice to be told what to do and not think about it. That is just like a whole thing off my off my mind. And I honestly do my best thinking when I work out. So if there's something that's bothering me, like I would do it in the pool. I do it when I'm hitting a bag. It just really helps me work through some mental stuff. Yeah, it's your source of relief. It's it's not like you're not working out to punish yourself. You're working out because you've developed this wonderful relationship with moving your body. And it's a matter of finding ways to move your body differently. And you tried a bunch of different things until you like you have gravitated. You've gone back and forth between the boxing classes. And I think that's something where you really like to stick and get some, maybe some anger out or maybe just processing your own emotions, your own life, your own situation, because that's what a large part of what swimming did for you and then you lost that like you it's not like you can't go swimming on your own but you even said your last two years of college you fell out of love with the sport yeah. so it was how do you find that substitute yeah no I definitely agree uh, I think everyone should find somewhat of a substitute at least at first so it's not a huge change all at once I mean, this is not at all a substitute for therapy, but once I did start boxing, I felt a lot. I felt the need for a therapist was a little less. I still kept going, but it definitely helped me work through some stuff that I was holding in and like releasing in therapy. Good. And then in in terms of being an adult and learning how to adult, in what ways did being an athlete help you 
with that aspect. So what lessons have you taken with you? I know with a lot of it is time management. You had practice, you had a degree, you had, it's not like you didn't have a social life. It just wasn't as social as some of your peers that weren't in sports. But how did you learn how to adult from your experience of being an athlete? So I don't know if you know this, but I actually got my first job. I think they actually hired me because I was an athlete. They were impressed by the fact that I could manage having a degree with basically, I mean, I was working out 20 to 25 hours a week. That is a half of a part, like a full-time job. They were really impressed with that. I think being an athlete really helps you work with others. And you can take direction really well. So, and then the time management that you mentioned. So altogether, it's clearly if you are an athlete and getting a degree, you're not lazy. (laughs) So I think employers really do love that. And, you know, I think I can't be lazy. I'm someone who is always on the move. And I think if I'm lazy, I feel like I accomplish nothing for the day, which is something I'm struggling with myself because some days you just need to have a lazy day. Exactly. And would you did you have swimming like being a D1 athlete on your resume when you were first applying to jobs? Yes. Okay, how yeah. did you word it on there so like part of your skills or did you have it in experience? What is a, a way that you were able to plug that in to help you get your first job? I kind of had it as like a job listed at the bottom. So it was at the bottom of my resume, but it was listed as if it was a physical job that I had. Because it, it was, I mean, they gave me a large, like a sum of money. I didn't, I don't have any loans that, you know, so I had it as that. And I listed like when you have the job title, the years you did it, and then the things that you learned from it. So I made those tasks, things that like are relatable in the workforce, you know, like getting along with others, time management, you know, the things we did discuss before. I, I put those in my resume. And it also is a really good talking point in interviews because it also adds something personal to your resume. Yeah, it's identity capital. And that's what I talked about, I think, two episodes ago with another guest is something that she did that gave her her own version of identity capital. And I think that's such a crucial component of getting your job or getting even like a new job afterwards that it does help you stand out. It's It was a large part of you and it created a lot of good qualities that employers want to see in the people that they're hiring. I agree. Okay, so on the kind of topic of managing all of these different aspects of your life in college, and then now you go into being an adult, how do you balance your commitments to your friends with other aspects of your life, such as career, family, personal goals, relationships, all the whole enchilada? Well, in college, you're kind of in a bubble. Like all your friends are very close. Your hot, like your classes, wherever the pool was, it's all within like a few miles of each other. So it is very easy to, you know, see people like you see them walking around campus, you see them at the dining hall, like you can see your friends, like everyone has like the same weekend plans, like there's not that many parties, there's not that many bars, like you all go to the same places. It's it's pretty easy to manage all that because they're all so close together. And then when you go to the real world, 
you move to even a close city and it's, you know, everyone's not living with each other. They're all spread out. People move out of state, people move wherever, and all your friends just start spreading out. Your work, um, you might have to commute there. And just like in general, just everything is just further away. So it's just harder to get everything as much. And I think it's something that I've, you know, it's been a hard lesson that when you have friends and you are all working, it is hard to see people. Whether or not you have a a tough job with a tough schedule, but everyone has so much going on in their lives. I mean, some of my closest friends live, I mean, they're all out of state mostly. But even the friends that are in state and we've all, after college, we we went to the city and then we all started moving a little more out and out the city to either afford to live alone, to have a bigger place, whatnot. And we've all moved in different directions in the city. So some, it's like, it takes an hour to get to one of my closest friends. So it's just hard. You have to really plan it. You can't just be like, I'm coming over. You have to physically be like, this date, we're doing something. And it's it's a lot more work. I'm glad that's a universal experience and not just you being an athlete because that's everybody. It's, you go from a college campus and everyone is within a mile radius of you to being like hundreds, if not thousands of miles away from you. And it's it's hard. It's You actually have to sit down and thoughtfully plan out when you're going to see each other next. And there's some people that you don't see for over a month, maybe even two months at a time before you get to be reconnected. How do you balance everything? How do you use the time management learn? I know our mom was really good at teaching us time management as kids, but it's different when you're in college because she's no longer on top of you being like, get your homework done, study for this exam, do this, get like, get check off all your boxes. So that's something you have to learn on your own. And I think translates well into the real world with this idea of balance of everything in more of a moderation with this free time, with this what do I do with myself? What do I do with my time? What do I do with my life? What are some ways that you are able to take those lessons and apply it to today? I think it's just something, it's a second nature to me at this point, like time management. I mean, I think mom wasn't even that much on top of us. I feel like you and I are very goal-oriented and we're very motivated ourselves. and. I think we just are afraid of failure and I personally am. And so I couldn't disappoint anyone. I couldn't disappoint myself. I couldn't disappoint mom. I couldn't disappoint our family. Like I had to do this homework. I had to get good grades, you know, and then same in the real world. Like I had to succeed. I mean, I did get a job before graduating and that was exciting. And then I'm sitting in this desk and I realized that this is just not a fit for me. And I felt, I felt like a failure you know, the therapist did help me through that as well. Going to this new job, like I feel happy and I I chase joy. And I think you just need to prioritize that. How would you say you have been able to prioritize your joy? So you have said a couple times, like you didn't really like your first job. And this job that you have now, you've been with them for a hot minute, I would say. And you're out on site a lot more. You're behind, you're not just stuck behind the desk day in and day out there is not a lot of people that have that opportunity and that are more so experiencing what you first experienced right out of college of that sitting behind a desk not even just for an athlete because I know that's what happened to me it's on college in college you're walking all the time you're 
in, you're maybe sitting down for an hour of time and then you're walking to a meal, you're walking to a friend's place, you're walking to the library, sitting down for another hour. It's like very movement oriented and then that's such a big adjustment to just go from sitting behind a desk. I want you to like try and rewind your brain to those moments. How did you work to prioritize your joy and your happiness and your sense of fulfillment when you were also experiencing that sense of failure? I think I tried to find comfort in friends. I I did party a lot, which I think, you know, I had the rite of passage since I never did it really in college. I was like, oh, I'm going to go out. Maybe this is something I like. I really enjoyed going to the public garden in Boston after work. It, it centered me, kind of meditated there, honestly. I, I just loved it so much. You just find things that you like and you try all these new things to see what actually makes you smile or what you actually enjoy. I did find boxing at the end of my time at that company. And that to me was a really good joy thing for me. So I really just, I don't know, I think I just really want to be happy. I mean, I think everyone does. I found a lot of joy in my food, which <laughs> not super healthy, or, but I loved sweet green. Once a week, I'd get myself a nice sweet green salad. And that gave me joy, you know, just stuff like that. I would go for walks in Boston Common because that's where my office was. That would center me. I uh, made some good friends with some coworkers. So I just go over to their cubicle and we would laugh. So, and it's also nice to hear that a lot of the people that I was at that company with were not happy. It's like a mom mentality. We were all like, okay. And I think, and we all left. All my friends that were there, none of them are there anymore. It just wasn't great for my mental health. And it was nice finding people that kind of agreed and we all went to new jobs and we were like, wow, is this what happiness is? Which is really bad, but. I, it's like a rite of passage to have a, like a shitty first job out of college. It's, like, it's rare for someone to stay in their first job, I'd say more than two years after school is very rare so if you're still staying there I mean you you got lucky but it's not a common experience to have at all and you were just on your own pursuit of happiness and you it sounds like you were finding that happiness in such simple things in life and that's not to say that's a bad thing that's a really good thing it was it's a great gratitude practice to have I was like oh a walk through Boston Commons makes me super happy uh sitting in in a garden and meditating makes me super happy. Just cracking jokes with coworkers about how miserable we all are and that trauma bonding that's forming. That's giving me that sense of happiness and that laughter for that day. And it's not these big giant changes that have to be made in your life to invite that level of happiness back in because you were still figuring it out. You, Everyone is in their early 20s. So you're just like, I don't know how to exist in this world. We're just kind of here and we're expected to enter with everyone else and in a sense suffer with everyone else. And it's like, no, that's not the case. Like, yeah, sure, your work could probably suck and gain some experience, get your foot in the door, find your way out. But there's other ways that you can bring in some light and some laughter to your life that doesn't require a lot of effort on your part to do. Yeah, and how I did find my new job, which is 
kind of a it's in the same general field but on different sides is my old job my first job I went into the field for six weeks to do a project and when I was out there I just loved it so much like I was so happy I loved going to work as soon as I went back into the office I started applying to jobs that were like that like that's how I knew is I just had that joy like I was I loved going to work and I was like oh my goodness I could love my job I didn't realize that could happen I thought I was just I just felt so stuck but after having that amazing opportunity to be on the site for six weeks, I realized that that was more of my passion. and It was a better fit for me. And here I am four and a half years later at my current job. And I love the company. I love the people I work for. And I love the work that we do. Yeah, love that. In regards to keeping on like topic with this transition, because this I don't think I mean, we've probably said it enough times, but this is a massive transition to go from the world of collegiate sports to regular adult life. And it often brings changes in social dynamics. Like we talked about, you told me I was a NARP, even though you claim that you didn't do that to other people. And, but you did mention you walked around with a chip on your shoulder. So when you entered this real world and no longer had that chip, how would you say that affected your ability to form friendships or to create connections? Because prior to that, all of your connections were basically through swimming. It was, you were with those same people every single day for multiple hours a day. And outside of your work, that doesn't really repeat itself in the real world. So how did this affect your ability to form friendships, to create your sense of community and just thrive in your post-college world? Yeah, so I definitely had a good amount of friends that came to Boston from school, like swimming and not swimming. So I honestly met people from them. So their coworkers. I actually have one of my closest friends. I met her through someone I went to college with. And, you know, as you were saying, like coworkers is kind of like a team. It's easy to make friends with. It definitely is is harder. I'm making less friends, but I think they're more meaningful just because of where I'm at in my life. But other than that, I mean, the friends that I graduated with and came here with, I mean, I don't really talk to a lot of them anymore. A lot of them are more surface level. So I think if I am at this point in my life, if I'm making friends, they're it's genuine. It's, you know, something deeper. And I think it's just, you know, longer lasting friendships. But yeah, at first, it was definitely difficult. I tried to keep my college days going felt like I was still in school, but with a paycheck. And yeah, I mean, you find people you like, you just have to do the things that you enjoy, whether it's going out, you know, girls meet girls all the time in the bathroom, like, or, you know, just join a league team. But other than that, it was it was definitely harder. I think whether you're a collegiate athlete or you're not, it is it is a big adjustment going from college to not. But what happened to me is when I went to UMass, I didn't know a single soul and I joined a team and I had instant friends. So you don't get that feeling when you graduate college and you're in the real world. You don't have a group of 30 girls that are instant friends. You know, you really have to go one by one and find people. So I don't really have like a group of friends here. I have more of miscellaneous ones that are all spread out just because 
that's just how I found it easier to make friends. Would you say looking back, it was a, it's kind of, it's a stark difference from having a team of friends, like a community of people to having these more sparse, but deeper level, higher quality friendships? I think when I was younger, I definitely needed more of a team kind of friendship. I didn't really know who I was. And I think it was a good mentality. But I think now the deeper friendships, they just mean way more to me. And being on a team, you're friends with those people automatically because you have something in common with them. Once you graduate, some I mean, some of the friends, like I'm still friends with some of the people on my team, and then some of the people I'm not. And you just kind of have to think and you're like, are these people where I just was I just friends with them because we had that one thing in common? Or is there a deeper level of friendship here? And it's, and it's okay that sometimes it is just surface level with them. And you have great memories with them. But sometimes you just it kind of stops after college. And sometimes they keep going. Yeah, also, I feel is an experience us normal people have. But think if you went to college and you joined a club or a sport or a sorority a fraternity anything along those lines then you are put in those containers and I've mentioned this on like two other episodes I believe but I didn't realize how similar it was for your experience to go like that was your version of a sorority I was in my version I mean I was in a sorority but like that was your version of that. It was for you 30 girls all together all the time to when you're no longer there, you don't really have that commonality. You're just kind of like, okay, like I'm proud of you, like cheering for you from afar, maybe like texting someone else of like so-and-so got engaged, so-and-so got married, so-and-so is having a baby, like all of that type. But other than that is you don't really have that, those close versions of those relationships anymore and I do want to add one thing that I've always envied about you is your long-term friendships like you are really good at finding those high quality people and establishing those relationships both from swimming and high school just in your life and that you're still in contact with these people today even if none of them literally none of them live in your state so it's it just like adds to that level of difficulty. Like who can you share that these parts of your life with? Because these people don't know the people you're meeting today. But you, it's not even that unique of an experience as we're having this conversation. Because I mean, for the audience sake, Jen and I have never talked about things like this. I was just thinking of a way to bring her on the show. And I was like, oh, she was a D1 to a normal person. And I think that's a very relatable aspect but for what I was thinking my standpoint was it was relatable for other athletes to know like who no longer are athletes but through this conversation I am seeing that it is a it's universal experiences you go to college you get a job and we all experience this loss of identity this loss of friendships this difficulty in adapting to our new environments yeah, I know. It, it It is very similar. I just think uh, being an athlete is more of uh, the best shape in your life that you'll ever be. So it's not even just mental, it's physical as well. So maybe that's just the, the minor tweak. Yeah, I would agree. I would say 
you did like I was always the one in college to work out on my own and people would ask me all the time like how do you make time for it like how do you do it I was like oh you just plug it into your schedule like it's another class that's it but for you it's a whole different relationship and structure and relief that you are you kind of lose and you don't have your coach anymore you don't have your teammates anymore you can take these group classes but it's not going to be the same instructor every time it's not going to be the same people in the class every time it's a very different experience that is that defining line of athlete versus NARP (laughs) all right (laughs) last question is what piece of advice would you give your younger self or to anyone that is making this move from athlete to normal adult that not everyone has to figure it out and that everything works out. You know, if you don't like something in your life, you can always change it. If you don't like the city you're in, you can move. If you don't like the job, you can get a new one. If you don't like your boyfriend, dump him. Like, you know, you can get new friends. You you know, just if you are not happy and if this person is giving or the situation is giving you a negative experience, like don't be afraid to chase the joy. That was so well said. All right. Well, thank you, you, Jenna, for providing your insight into the world of collegiate athlete to non-athletic regular person and some of the obstacles that are faced with this kind of transition from your community to your overall identity and mental and physical health and all the, there's a lot of challenges that come with it. Some are relatable, some are very unique to the given athlete, but thank you again for taking some time out and coming and being a guest on here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Yeah. And for any of you listening, if you have an experience that you want to discuss on the show or expertise in a relatable area of life, please check the show notes and fill out the be a guest form as I would love to bring you on the show. I think Jenna can vouch. It's not as scary and nerve wracking. She was nervous at first, but you did great. It's not as scary and nerve wracking as you think it might be, but For now, thank you for listening to another episode of How to 20-something. If you liked what you heard, please give me a good rating or share it with a friend, post it on social media, tag me at coach.justdiamond when you do, and also don't forget to sign up for Change is a Choice as that's tomorrow, and it will help you overcome any change in your life. Maybe it is from being a collegiate athlete to a regular person, but it's going to help you feel in control of what's happening not only to you, but for you. Otherwise, enjoy the rest of your week and I will be in your headphones again next week with another brand new episode.